0: Welcome to the New Yorker's August 1st, 2005 issue. We have seven terrific articles for you this week. The first three all relate to President Bush's nomination of federal judge John Roberts to the Supreme Court. A comment by Hendrik Hertzberg, Jeffrey Tubin's analysis of the potential impact on a pending case involving gay rights and free speech, and Adam Green's look at how one liberal organization is using the latest cell phone technology to mobilize its members. Then, Lauren Collins meets an actor you'll see over and over and over again in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's followed by David Sedaris's ruminations about some pretty nasty, creepy crawlies. Finally, we have two pieces by The New Yorker's critics. Jonathan Rosen explores the tortured life of the late writer Henry Roth, and Nancy Franklin reviews Over There, Stephen Bochco's new TV series set on the front lines in Iraq. First, though... It's Hendrik Hertzberg's comment, Roe v. Rove. As of last Monday, when Time and Newsweek hit the stands with Karl Rove on their covers, the elements were in place for a good old-fashioned second-term White House scandal wallow. In Rove himself, baby-faced hatchet man, architect of the political career of George W. Bush, possessor of one of the most admiring nicknames Bush has ever bestowed, Boy Genius, and one of the most pungent, Turd Blossom, deputy chief of the White House staff, the story had a villain who, like all the best villains, came equipped with vassals acclaiming him a hero. It had a silent, remorseless lawman in Patrick Fitzgerald, the special counsel tasked with investigating the unauthorized and possibly unlawful disclosure of the identity of a covert CIA operative. It had a colorful supporting cast, including the spy herself, an attractive blonde whose neighbors thought she was just another working mom, her husband, a flamboyant ex-diplomat whose secret mission and subsequent apostasy set the stage for skullduggery, and a Times reporter jailed for her refusal to talk. Rove's participation in the leak, categorically denied by the White House for almost two years, had become a firmly established fact, though its extent and legality remained in dispute. President Bush, questioned by reporters, promised that if someone committed a crime, they will no longer work in my administration, thereby rendering inoperative his earlier pledge to fire anyone involved in the leak. And the budding scandal had a larger meaning as a surrogate for the more serious and more muted debate over America's faltering war in Iraq. That was Monday. On Tuesday, Bush went on primetime television and announced his choice to replace Sandra Day O'Connor on the Supreme Court. A 50-year-old federal appellate judge by the generic all-American name of John Roberts. The timetable had been moved up. The conservative activist Paul Weirich...